Amen. Let's come around a word. If there's anything we're understanding, we are understanding that at this moment in time, here in the Dream Center, but also in the body of Christ, we are in a unique season. You would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind if you don't recognize that God is doing something. He's not just doing something. He's doing what he wants to do. Amen. And Pastor Tony's been touching and building over this last few weeks the whole area of revelation and understanding. We receive revelation and understanding so that not only we know him better, we find his heart, but we get clarity. Because there's nothing worse than using buzzwords in church and talking about, well, we have this and it's the sixth dimension of the seventh fugal valve that drops down in the red heifer Sunday. That if we fall around and the uh, millennial kingdom would suddenly appear with a third angel blowing a trumpet whilst holding an Aldi bag, um, something. It can get like that, can it? It all gets a bit mystical over there. But the more I kind of understand that. God wants to help us and bring us and put us on the page, the simpler it seems to get. I think it's us trying to look clever at times who make it more complicated than it actually is. I know there are some very complicated things in God because he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. We can't understand where he's coming from, but he goes, I tell you what, let me deal at fill level and bring it down a couple of bits and bobs. But there's a wonderful scripture from Deuteronomy 29, 29, that maybe you already know. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever and ever. What's revealed belongs to you. What's revealed belongs to me. There are things I remember and there are things I forget. But when I receive something through the revelation of God, It sticks. I've got it. You know, you can seem to remember that when God drops something in your heart and you have an element of understanding, you can always call on it verbatim. God said this, this, this and this. You know exactly what it is because you get that deposit down from heaven. But you know, the great thing that I want to talk to you about over the next couple of weeks is almost the untapped resource of heaven that is open to every single one of us who sat in this room and who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you about the name above all names. The name above all names. In Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, it declares this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Let's just stop there for a moment. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. When God is speaking to us, we have revelation, we start to get understanding. That is not for you to spiritually flex your muscles and try and tell everybody else how smart you are, how clever you are, how God only speaks to you, how wonderful it is, how you got up this morning and saw a technical dream in the spirit when everybody else doesn't even see a black and white nightmare. You can set yourself up to be some kind of spiritual hero. Here it says, Jesus Christ did not use this equality with God as something for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the only begotten of the Father. The statement is made from Genesis that one of us must become like man so that man can become like one of us. That's the context of what something's speaking about. There is the power of the name of Jesus Christ that will unlock heaven. The name of Jesus is not a lucky rabbit's foot. It's not an abracadabra. 
It's not the tagline at the end of your prayer. It's not if I cross my fingers, something will start to change. There is power in the name of Jesus. Four of us, there's power in the name of Jesus. Because it's in this name that he says, I will give you the keys that can unlock a kingdom. I'll give you the keys that break something open. Jesus has given us the right, the ability, and the understanding of how to unlock doors and set captives free. God does not promote, advocate, or give us coping mechanisms. Psychologists, doctors, and psychiatrists give you coping mechanisms. Jesus Christ sets you free. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, be, do not be yoked any longer to the yoke of slavery. We're called to be free. We're called to live free and help other people to become free. Is that right? Our lives should reflect that we have touched the king. Our lives should reflect, as we've sang this morning, that we carry the dream of the king. We know where he's coming from because he says, I reveal these secret things to you. You have them so that you can start to walk and stand in the truth. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, it says this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So who holds the keys of the kingdom? Who holds the keys of the kingdom? It's funny, I thought we just read that I gave you the keys of the kingdom. He has the keys. It tells us that when Jesus died, um, was died, he goes into Hades. He takes the keys of death and of hell. He takes them and presents them back to the Father. But yet he says, the keys of the kingdom and the keys of making life work and things work, I give to you. I give to my bride. I give to the church. I empower you. But we always want to say his kingdom, his keys, his breakthrough. My kingdom, my keys, my breakthrough. Why? Because he's given it to us as a gift and as a deposit to the church. But he says, I will give you the wherewithal of how to step into something. Now, a little history lesson here for you this morning. Maybe it's nice and plain. There was a time in a boy's life... We know that a Jewish boy went through a bar mitzvah, doesn't he, coming of age. In Rome, there was a different scenario altogether, but it's still a coming of age ceremony. And it was what was known as receiving the toga virilis. And a toga virilis was this, was that when your father believed, it wasn't just set at a certain age. For a Jewish boy, it was always at the age of 13. But in Rome, or in the Roman culture, it would be that when your father deemed that you had come of age, he would take off your garment of a child and he would give you a new robe. Now we know from Isaiah that he has given us and clothed us with a garment and he's given us a robe of righteousness. He puts on a fresh garment. If we read the parable of the banquet, the banqueting feast, it says, I take away your dirty garment and I gave you a new one. There is a coming of age whereby when this robe was put onto a boy, it would literally be that the father would stand before his friends, his family, or even in circumstances, take him into the marketplace and they would put on this new robe. And when they put the robe onto you, it says, when you see my son, you deal with him the same way that you would deal with me. That if he comes into the market and he says, I am purchasing this. My credit line applies to him. Does that make sense? There is a coming of age. But there is a coming of age for the church, for you, for me, for every member of the Dream Center, where God says, it's time to look at your robe and it's time to step in to elements of your inheritance. Now, we know that there are some things that are held up for the time when we will be with him. We understand that, don't we? But the rest of stuff and the keys of the kingdom, he gives us on a daily basis so that we can step into life and we can make things work. We can step in and do what he did. Oh, it always goes quiet when you say that. It goes quiet 
on that day when we know that we can do what he did. You know, the wonderful thing, if you ever want to know, you can read every psychology book that you can find. And I like elements of psychology, find of why people do what they do and all kind of different bits. And if a dog crosses its legs, it means that it's whatever. You know, we've got all the psychological uh, jargon that goes on. But if you ever want to understand how to deal and interact with people, read the Gospels. When you read the Gospels there, you see Jesus Christ interacting with the nobility, with the pauper, with the ill, with the widows, for those in desperate need. You see him how he interacts in every situation. We get to put on the mind of Christ. We start to replicate what he does. Now, the thing is that we know about Jesus is that when Jesus turned up, he had some answers to some questions. He had answers for problems. You and I. Maybe when we're faced with those same things, might be the time to, well, I'll tell you what, I'll be the one who brews up. And we disappear out of the way. But let me read you a great scripture. John chapter 16. This is really the place I want to launch from this morning. John 16, verses 23 to 27. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, Truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Until now, you have not asked me for anything. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not saying I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you love me and have believed that I have come from the father. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. There is a name that unlocks so many things. But we've become churchized, Christianized, religionized. It's everything. We just use the name of Jesus and we tag it on everything. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the food in Jesus' name. Bless me dogs, Veruca, in Jesus' name. Whatever, we tag it on as if it's almost like a and goodbye. You know, like um, the two Ronnies used to say, it's good night from him and it's good night from me. And I say, it's good night from me and in Jesus' name. We tag it on things. Is there anybody in here this morning who's going to be honest enough to say that we've understood what the power of that name holds? Now, if I went around here, we've got some younger ones, middle ones, slightly green around the gill ones, and the older ones, yeah? We've got a full raft of everybody in here. And I bet if we calculated how many years we have walked with the Lord, we'd have a few. We'd have a few, wouldn't we, of years that people have walked with God. But yet, it is very rare to find an individual or a church who can step into the dimension of understanding what the name of Jesus is. I do not say to you this morning, I understand. I'm saying in this season of revelation and understanding, God starts to point some things back and say, you know the simple stuff, the way that I'm telling you to move forward, it's quite simple. But here's a key that if you grab hold of, we'll see everything change. I've got some nice bits that will bite you in a while. That's my pointy stick bit for those in our group. But it's still easy at the moment. So you've, as yet, you have not asked in my name. Ask and you will receive. Might receive. Is that what he says? Ask and if you're the best in your class, you'll receive. Ask if you've got shiny shoes, you receive. Ask if you were the best person to pray this week and you, didn't, you did it every day and it was minimum for an hour and you read your every day with Jesus and you did three hours on God channel, that meant you receive. So he keeps sticking the bar there that says, unless you achieve this, you never get. Unless you do this, you never get. Unless you can turn the world upside down, you never get. Who keeps moving the goalpost? 
Because when we keep moving the goalpost, nobody ever gets to score a goal. It's always going to be somebody else with somebody else's testimony. And it always never seems to be where you live. It's always on the other side of the world that God is doing something. Why can't he do it here today? Why not you? Why not now? Why can't we be the ones that say, when I ask, I receive? And it can't just be the faith preachers who make statements that when I pray, I get results. No, when I pray, I want results. Or else otherwise, what's the point in praying? What is the point in praying if we can't just go to the Father and press? In that day, you will ask in my name. We said we're coming into a fresh season of not only understanding and revelation, but a season where God is willing. You know, he's always been willing, but we're just understanding that God's willing. God wills, he makes a way, and he is willing. God's looking to turn around your circumstance and my circumstance. God's looking for a life where he can wave a banner, where he can say, I have a testimony in Lisa. She will be my testimony. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul turned around and he declares this, that your lives are epistles, letters read by men. Didn't have Facebook. There's no Twitter. They're not blogging. What's that other one? What, what's up? What's, what's that? What's up? Hey, sounds really cool, doesn't it? What's up? You get a message, ding, this just happened. What did you have? Well, this better tell a decent story. You see, because you don't see a blog, you don't see a tweet, you don't see your Facebook status. You can just put something out there. But when your life is up close and personal and people are seeing it, why did your life change? How did this turn around? If it happened to you, why can't it happen to me? Our lives have to express something. It has to be something that's pulling through. The next part in this scripture was, I am not saying I will ask on your behalf. All the time I go, Lord Jesus, you know my situation. Ask the father, stroke him nicely, take him some cocoa, do something, but tell him that Andy's in need. You ask him. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. I have made a way where there is no way. Now you go. You go and present yourself to the father. As you present yourself to the Father, things start to change. Should we kick a cow and get rid of an urban myth? Does God know your thoughts? Does he know when you rise and when you sit? Does he know the number of hairs on your head? Does he know what you're thinking? Does he know what you want? Does he know your needs? Does that mean I no longer pray? So many would fall into that bracket of saying, I understand that God knows. So what I'll do now is be completely passive and I'll just sit there and I'll just wait because he loves me. Well, sit and rot. You'll get fed up after a while. I don't have to be like the persistent widow knocking down his door. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? But also I have to move towards the father. He knows my needs. But I ask, I go, I have a courtesy. Thank you, Father. You've met our needs. You understand. I'm not all stressed out, pacing up and down of going, does he know? Yes, he knows. But sometimes he's waiting for you and I to cry out to him, to call out for him. You know, there's, uh, without getting too personal, we get situations like with our Dan. So there's Dan. And at the moment, we're in the place of we're doing up the house. So you know what that means? We're doing up the house. We're doing up the house. Right. So we're doing up the house and you can see things where he'll need some help and he's kind of scratching his head and he doesn't know. But he's trying to get to that place of, hey, I'm a man. I'm a man now. I now have my MOT certificate and I am available for weddings, bar mitzvahs and funerals. You know, you get all the stuff. But there's an element now where he doesn't want to ask. Because now I have responsibility. You see, I have a family and I have responsibility. So because I have this family and responsibility, I'll rot in this hole and allow the situation to get worse and worse. Till I kind of go, uh, what you, uh, you got any thoughts about, you know, if somebody, if I had a friend and a friend had a house and the problem with the house was this, what do you think you would tell me to tell my friend? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Aren't people the same? Wherever you go, people are the same. I know 
that he's waiting to ask the question. Now, when I know that he's waiting to ask the question, I won't say to him, come on, just ask. I'll wait till he's ready. And we had one of those, again, I don't want to make it too personal about the life of Dan. But it was like last week, he turns up, it's one o'clock in the morning, and you can tell stuff's on his, it's under his skin. He's trying to work things out. He came down with a wall planner. I'm ready to go to bed. It's one o'clock in the morning. He pulls out this wall planner, which is like A1. And he's planned the next 12 months of his life of going, well, if I get paid on this date and I do this and I make a mortgage payment and I add this and I take that out. And then there's a man who wants to charge me a ridiculous amount of money to plaster my house. And I have this and I have that. Um, I might actually move in by the time I'm 37. <laughs> you know, you get that stuff where it all goes around. But we've got the relationship where he felt free that, okay, I've got past the, I don't want to ask you, to talking and working. God wants that relationship where he says, I love you so much, why don't you just come and ask? And nobody gets greater delight in answered prayer than him. It rejoices there before it rejoices here. Why? Because he loves to see his kids blessed. That last point, the father loves you also. Now, the father loves Pastor Tony and anybody in leadership. He doesn't like the minions and the little people and the ones who don't do anything. He doesn't like you a lot. He only likes Pastor Tony because he's special and he gave him a new coat and he's got a poacher's pocket so he can stick a rabbit in it. Would that be right? So the father loves you. The father loves you. The father loves you. It's great because I can turn around and just, I can look now and say, Lisa, the father loves you. Can I say, Phil, the father loves you? Because it seems to me that the father loves everybody else, but I might be struggle about saying that he treats me with that same value as what he treats somebody else. But Jesus has said, let's get some key things in place. As yet, you've not asked for anything in my name. I'm not going to ask on your behalf that you can go and the father loves you. But if you ask, you will receive. So why don't we get? Why have we not been getting? Why have we been looking at the crumbs under the table and saying, isn't this the blessing of God? Why have we settled for survival and not for abundance, not even success. We're survival. We've got through. Hey, I made it to the end of another month. It shouldn't be that we just get to the end of something, but that we've got lives that if we're connected to the king that we say uh, that we're connected to, if we push through and we want to see lives transformed, why would your life reflect what somebody else wants? Do we carry enough of God that somebody says, I would swap my life for your life? Not I'm going to swap it because you've got a better car than me, or you've got a nicer house than me, or you've got a prettier wife than me, or a better looking husband than me. They swap it because they say, you carry something that I want. That all is unlocked in this wonderful name. The name of Jesus unfolds so much. We can talk about, and no doubt we will, that name in prayer, the name in battle, the name in victory. There's so many, there's a raft of ways that you see the name of Jesus used. But this morning, we're just getting to the place of saying, as yet, you have not asked in my name. In Romans 8 and 26, it says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, we know we've touched on this before, but let's just refresh ourselves slightly. The Holy Spirit helps us in our inability to produce results. When we don't know what to pray, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. But if we have a spirit that's looking to bring us into all truth, is a spirit that's going to open up and reveal who Jesus Christ is and the heart of the Father. He helps us say, when you can't produce results today, I will show you how you can produce results tomorrow.
Is there anybody who'd like to be able to produce results? Is there anybody who'd like to actually say, I'd like to do, and not just say, I know a God who does? Yes? We step into something. So we're going to break the big myth this morning. Is that all right? This is pointy stick time. We're going to break the big myth. The big myth is this. If it be your will. The great myth. If it be your will. I've called it the small print or the great get out clause. It's the small print or the great get out clause. And what does that mean? Lisa comes up. I have my Veruca. Sorry, Lisa, you sat right in my eye line. It's your own fault. I have my, I've got this Veruca. Oh, it's playing me up. Terrible, terrible. I was out last night in Staley, Vegas, and I had to come home early because my Veruca was playing up. Can you pray for me that I will receive a healing and that this Veruca will not give me the trouble it gives? Of course, of course we're going to pray for you, Lisa, because we're men of faith, so we'll step forward. We step forward and we pray, Lord, just bless Veruca's Veronica, Veronica, and a because she's got a Veruca called Veronica, she names it, she's very personal. Bless my Veruca, uh, just, just help her, help her, Lord, because you know that she, how can she do a stint in Staley Vegas, a full night, going out at seven, coming back at three in the morning with a Veruca, and you've seen them heels, it's not good for her, Lord. And Lord, if it be your will, we just pray that she would be healed. The great get out clause. If it be your will. Is it his will that she's healed? So why do we give ourselves the get-out clause that says, if it be your will. If God wills, or God willing, you'll be healed. If God wills, you'll see a breakthrough. If God wills, your circumstances will turn around. If God wills, then there'll be a sky blue border and a pink sunset tomorrow evening, if God wills. Why is it God's will? You see, all the time, I'm passing the blame to somebody else. Because didn't we just read the scripture? If you ask, you will receive. But as yet, you have not learned to ask for anything in my name. I will not ask on your behalf, you go and petition the Father. Question. When did you ever see Jesus ask the Father to heal someone? Oh, it's amazing how it all goes quiet. There is no recorded gospel or story where Jesus asks the Father to heal. He turns around and says, be healed. It's a command, be healed. So he commands healing, he commands breakthrough. Now we understand that there are principles that's in place, as in, and Jesus could not do much or many miracles there because of their unbelief. They push something away. Basic principle, God gives man free will. Yes, not free will, he gives him free will. It's the one thing where I can stand against my own maker. He is the creator of heaven and earth, but he will not override my own free will. Salvation is a free gift that's offered to all, but God doesn't turn around and demand that Chris has it. It says that the heart of the father is that none should perish, but all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants us all to come to salvation, but he doesn't beat Chris with a stick until he accepts. He lays it before him and his will is to accept or to decline. Yes. I can come to you and I can be the best faith person in the world. Right, I can be given everything, and I go, David, this is it. I'm declaring this over your life, and today, and it, and a banana, and we just keep talking, and all the stuff. 
if his will is close to it, it doesn't matter how much faith I've got, it isn't coming. That makes sense. He pushes that away. But his lack of will or not wanting to go where I'm going will never stop anything coming to me. I can't force it on another person or else everybody would be saved. Yes? But he can never, in his unbelief, can never ever stop anything coming to me. He can cause me problems by going, ah, but are you sure? Yeah. And he can peck at you and get stuff down. So his will can stop things coming to him, but he can never stop things coming to me. Yes? So we're into this question now. The statement that we said about Jesus. Jesus never goes and asks for healing. He just says, be healed, be clean, take up your bed and walk. There's not a big begging ceremony going on. He's learned a relationship of, I know that the Father hears me. Is that not the gospel? I know that the Father hears me when I pray. What has he said? As yet, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. You go to the Father because the Father loves you. We need to learn the power of his name. Now, I'm not going to get technical. That's why I used the term before, toga virilis. The toga virilis was something simple that says, you have come of age and the father gave a garment that when you stand in the marketplace or anything else, it's recognized that you have the backing of the father's house. Simple, yes? I was going to go down the area of the power of attorney. And that one just turns into a mad minefield. So I thought, I'll leave that one. But it's like a legal document. When you stand, you know the wonderful thing, like it says about, uh, I think it was Elijah. It says, the words in my mouth are as if it was the words from his mouth. When you speak, it's as God said. When Jesus turns around and says, these things and greater will you do, go and heal the sick. Go and cast out demons. Go and advance the kingdom. There are no limitations to where he's sending and what you and I can do. Hmm. Well, thank you. Hmm. So we're not convinced yet. So I think the whole thing of saying before, why don't we see the results? We don't see the results because we go, hmm. Because it's everybody else and not me. I'm waiting for everybody to have their moment in God, to touch the sun, to grab the gold ring, to do whatever. I'm waiting to celebrate everybody else doing it. It starts with you and me. He's given you access. The Father loves you. Start to ask. But I don't want to ask. Because if I ask, I'm going to stick myself out there. And if I stick myself out there and it doesn't work, what am I going to do? Burke one-on-one class, feel an idiot, but I'll step back in. So because of our fear of learning, growing, trying to get things right, we'll rather not do it. We think in my mind, when I'm perfect, I've got all my ducks in a line. When I've got all of the Bible memorized all the way through from Genesis, Exodus, that bit in Chronicles and Numbers with all them names. I'll work on that one over the next six months. All the way through to Revelation and the angels blowing trumpets. Then I'll be the one that says, Lisa, standardize your Veruca, your Veronica Veruca is fine. Go back to Staley Bridge. Carry on what you were doing. We always put so many caveats in place that nullifies what he wants to do in and through you. We're the one to blame. We're the one that holds things up. We are often taught in church, that's why I said it's pointy stick time, so don't kill me just yet, that there are three answers to prayer. Yes, No, and, and wait a bit. I do not see any examples in scripture where God says no. And somebody went to pray and said, Lord, I believe we're praying for the Veruca. You're Veruca. We'll we'll have it dealt with before the end of the day. So stop pressing it, Lisa. It's all right. We're praying for this Veruca. 
And God says, no. Why? Because Lisa's a scuffer and she shouldn't have been in Staley Bridge in the first place. So she can rot with her Veruca until she repents. Where in scripture do you see God saying no? It's the great small print. If I pray and nothing happens, <laughs> you see, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says, Lisa, just wait a bit, wait a bit. Monday morning, get yourself to the Chiropodist, a bit of that cool eye stuff, it's gone, it's fine. Yes, no, and wait a bit. Not wait a bit, wait a bit. We build so many things in place that cover our lack of faith on ability to access the Father. This makes sense. I'm trying to be as simple as I can this morning without getting too complicated. We're not looking to beat ourselves up. We're looking to say, if we don't produce the results that he says we can produce, why? Because if we're going to be a house that carries the dream of the king, who reflects the Christ, that we are ambassadors, we need to learn to push something through. You see, if you and I learn to walk in the spirit, yes, make sense? Pray what's on his heart. Launch the word. So what is God saying or declaring? Why would he say no? Why are things delayed? Now we know at times things are delayed and not denied. He's not said no. They're delayed while something's coming to alignment. That sometimes if God gave you everything you were asking for now, it's going to blow the wheels off because you've not built the character, the backbone, the wherewithal to be able to bring online what he's going to do. Yeah? It's like for us, we have seen wonderfully in the last 18 months the work that the guys have been doing with the youth where Unleash is concerned. And, you know, when other guys are saying we're moved by what you've been teaching your youth. There was a, a minister talking to Pastor Tony not long ago, that a witness. He said, what you teach to your youth, we don't even teach to our church. And you kind of go, well, shame on you. You reprobate. Go and get a job in Aldi. But there's a depth of stuff that's come through where we're building and we're seeing, we're laying, doing the groundwork now with the youth. Why are we doing the groundwork for the youth? Because there is a tree in Tameside that God says, declare, because I will do a move amongst the youth in Tameside that the people will look at in the government and say, what happened here? If there is no preparation, then what have we got? A big mad youth club with everybody running around and you just got a lot of young people in one building hormones and testosterone going all over the place and we'll have a graffiti wall and we'll do stuff and we'll have a games night. We'll have all of that or we can have what God says. But if we don't do the preparation and the groundwork, 50 kids, 20 kids, teenagers coming next week. You know, we've all got problems, don't you? You know, we've all got problems when they're all strutting about and it's all going on and it's, hey, get your eyes off my daughter, you. And all that stuff going on. And is the, the kind of jockeying for position. It's great having youth. But if you haven't got something to bring them into. Then we cause problems. So that's where God will delay. As we prepare ourselves to receive. Even an expectant mum and dad. Will prepare the nursery before the baby turns up. It's only back in the day. Like I tell you, I'll get out there. Violin's coming out now. It's the old Hovis tune playing in your head. Like your mum saying, how when you come along? <laughs> you little rascal. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Not only were you not unexpected, oh, you came around when we didn't think you were coming around. <laughs> Blame your father. You had to live in the bottom of the wardrobe for the first three months. And it used to be the old chest of drawers out, didn't it? That became your cot. No, you were skin, and there was no preparation. So the bottom drawer came out, in went a duvet, and baby was in there. It wasn't like, oh, now down to boots, and we'll have the, we'll have the plan, and we get all the stuff out, and the mural on the wall. It was, <laughs> get him in the wardrobe. So it's official, I'm coming out. <laughs> but I'm not coming out, I'm just out of the wardrobe. <laughs> we have the bit of seeing things, preparation is made. So sometimes God says, 
I want to give you this, but until you come to the level of maturity, I can't release it to you. Yes? When we talk about discipleship, training, authentic sonship, all of the bits that are built on, God says, I need to build it into you before I can bring other people into it, or else it just causes confusion. Yeah? But when you look into the word, you don't find the places where God says, no, you're not having it. If we pray what's on his heart, we're declaring his will, we're going where he's going, surely all of heaven's going, next, come on, let's keep it rolling, because as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. So when he declares, this is what I want to see in Drollsden, this is what I want to see in the life of Shirley, and I say, yes, Lord, I come right in line with you, let's push it through, let's build it, I'm declaring your word. (laughs) Sorry, Shirley, it's not for you, kid. Why would he frustrate us? He doesn't frustrate us, does he? He's not uh, looking to keep us in lack. He's not looking to leave us frustrated. He delights in you having answered prayer. I've written a statement here, so I'm thinking about the statement before I say it, but I'll say it anyway. Stop putting up with no results an unfruitful life on answered prayer and declaring that we have the dream of the king. We have to be able to demonstrate what he says. And he says, as yet, you have not learned to ask for anything in my name. But a time is coming, and that time is where you will petition the Father. I won't go on your behalf, your mature sons, your mature daughters. We go through process. We go through changes. The hand-holding, the Holy Spirit reveals what the heart of the Father is. He reveals the, the Son to us. He starts to reveal revelation and understanding where we step out and go, it's my day. It has to be my day. And it has to be that when there is somebody and they're in need, I don't need to be praying or I don't need to be ringing Pastor Tony and saying, Pastor Tony, we've got this big issue with Lisa's Veruca. We've fasted for three weeks now, and it's going to take somebody of a greater stature than I am to be able to deal with this Veronica Veruca. So you better come down and sort it out for us. God doesn't set the levels. We do. I understand fully, and I appreciate Levels of authority, understanding, and governance that God places into a house. We understand that, don't we? We don't need to go into all the depths of it. I'll tell you one tiny story without it going off on a rabbit trail. Tundi um, Bakari, who's Jonathan David's good friend, said it was one night was in church and he was just working late. He was preparing some stuff and he heard some commotion down the corridor. So on his way out, he carried his briefcase, walks through, opens the door. And there are two of his ministry team praying for this lady. And they're all sweating and it's all going on. And they're like going, and he steps in and says, is there a problem? No, sir, there, there is, there's not a problem. We're just looking to deal with this lady, but she's giving us one hell of a runaround at the minute. And she's knocked the snot out of us. So he's like, fine. And he steps in, makes one statement. And the issue is dealt with. So he's like, right, and I'm going home now. So he walks out. The guys who... Excuse me, <laughs> Mr. Bakari, next morning. What did you do that we didn't do? I said, simple. When I come, it leaves. <laughs> I don't need to fight it. When I come, it leaves. Why? Because I know the name and it knows me. Yeah? I don't mean I know the name. It's Veruca, Veronica, Veruca. <laughs> I know the name as in my relationship with God is secure. I step into Jesus Christ. We see it, don't we, in the book of Acts. Jesus, we know, Paul, we've heard of, but who are you? We step into an authority that when we step through, we know who Jesus is and we start to command. Because all of a sudden, we're on dodgy ground here as good charismatics. But remember, we're not charismatics. We are progressive evangelicals. Right, there we go. So we're progressive to be able to stand up and go, I command healing to come to you. All of a sudden, we're stepping into a different world. The world of uncomfortable. The world of sticking my neck out. The world of, I'll be the Burke. 
so we don't do it. But God is waiting. As yet, you have not asked for anything in my name. That's why I say it's an exciting season. It is a crazy season. We thank God that he's on the move. Do you know what? If I talk to anybody, I go around the house and I talk to different individuals and they go, something is ready to explode. I'm not sure what it is, but in my life, something's waiting to explode. Has anybody at the minute got any trouble, hardship, or feel like the tow it going's a little bit going uphill? Yeah, it's just a joke. Yes, thank you for that show of hands. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? You're doing something right. And in the doing something right, there's also a fantastic opportunity for God to be glorified. Amen. If I can learn the power and the authority of his name, it takes me away from being reliant on my own gift, talent, and ability. Because again, it all comes through. Because remember, many of us are tainted with the brush of charismania. Man of power for the hour. Go and save the meeting. Be the one who redeems everything. These are all things that we were taught as trainee ministers and as, as trainee learning to be able to minister the word and do different things. They were things we were taught. You are the man of power for the hour. Go and save the day. So this is the time we should really have like a telephone box here. Spin round, pull a big S or a big P. Pull it all out. Phil saves the day. Ah, carries the, the maiden from the burning building. Please. It all became about how smart you was, how much you knew, how you dressed, who you were connected to. Everything that went down was that's how you got results. We get results by a simple thing called faith, believing in his name, stepping into the word and declaring what he is declaring. That means it's open to every one of us. See, because I find great hope. The great hope is this. I'm not looking for a get out clause. I'm looking for ways of understanding how God still likes me. Yeah. Do you ever get those days when you think never quite works out how you like me? It's all right, you can like everybody else, but liking me, you know what I've done, you know where I've been. Why do you still like me? And then I read the story of Abraham. See how he lied, he deceived, he, he takes um, Hagar, he has Ishmael, he goes everything all about. And God said, do you know what, this is my mate. The only person in scripture, and you go, wait, nicking from Aldi, will not bad. There's hope for me here, you know, it's on that... <laughs> When Phil had his own buy two, get one free, or buy none, get three free. <laughs> when you had those kind of seasons of your life, Don. <laughs> when you had those kind of seasons, God still liked you. But what we do, and it's very often happens in a church environment and in the system, unless you reach a standard God cannot or will not listen to you, so you might as well just be quiet. We never step out. Now, here's my not get out clause, but I understood this. Jesus sends out the disciples in, go heal the sick, cast out demons, declare the kingdom. Would that be the Bible? Yes. So he sends them out in two. And they all came back, the scripture says, rejoicing says, we saw demons flee, and Jesus said, hey, hey, guys, calm down. Don't be too giddy. I saw Satan fall like lightning. You're only in stage one. You're on stage one kingdom here. So you saw some results. But did they all come back rejoicing? What about the lying, deceiving, robbing rat called Judas? Because he was the one who was the treasurer. But it already said that they all knew that he stole from the purse. It wasn't just at the days when he said, I'll have me 30 pieces of silver. He was a robbing, lying, cheating rat, even in that bit. But he came back saying, and it all responded to us. Why? Because they learned to tap into a name. Now, I've not just given you a great out that says, live any way you want and you get results. I am not because we know that we're pursuing holiness. We're pursuing righteousness. We're looking to be authentic sons. But people will tell us. Why it won't happen for you. It's not necessarily God's rule book. God says, I am looking at your heart. I understand process, what you're going through. 
I might turn away at this, but I won't accept it continually. Don't use your grace as an excuse to carry on sinning. We're being changed from one degree of glory to the next. Did I just get myself out of a hole? Good. We are not advocating any form of behavior. But the other side is, we're not saying you've got to be Joan of Arc before anything can happen. Yeah? It's going to be St. Veronica now, and this is it. She stroked her little puppy on the way in this morning. And she re- she's crossed three old ladies across the road. And isn't it nice? She wears a hair shirt. All of the, We can beat our bodies daily. We can do everything. It doesn't change our process and the way that he accepts, his, accepts us, yes? So it brings us to the big bit. The big bit's this. You thought you already had the big bit. Here's the other big bit. Matthew 9... And verse 1. Now remember we talk about revelation, understanding, and understanding the seasons. The Bible's very clear about the men of Issachar. The men of Issachar understood their times and season. They knew where they were and why they were there. So it wasn't all frustration. It wasn't running around going, well, what am I doing tomorrow? I haven't a clue. They understood the times. They understand that... Maybe God's working on my heart and it's going to be tough, but I'm going through this process because he's taking me from here to here. You understand where you are and why you're there. Yes, that was the men of Issachar. Now, in understanding something, the prophetic word that was all declared all of last year and which we still enforce, stay in the boat. Cross over, get in the boat, cross to the other side, stay in the boat. If you learned nothing else, what was the word? Stay in the boat. But I get seasick. Take quells. Oh, I don't like it. Put on your life jacket. I can't swim. Doesn't matter. It's all right. Just stay in the boat. We had every reason of why to get out. But Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1. Then Jesus stepped into a boat. He crossed over and he came to his own. Gets into a boat, cross, comes to his own. There has to be a destination. There has to be an end point. This is not, I'll have to ask Andy because he's an anorak, he'll know. There was that program in the 60s, the American one, where there was always on a boat and it never got anywhere. I don't mean like the love boat. You've seen your box set. There was Gilligan's Island or something. You get on a boat and you get lost and you go, oh, go to Gilligan's Island. It's not that God's saying, get into a boat and we'll go round and round in a big circle and we'll never get off. Get in the boat, cross to the other side and come to your own. It's time to come to yours. It's time that what you've been praying for, what you needed, what you've been declaring in God, what you've been believing for in the spirit, it's time to come to your own. Well, thank you for that underwhelming response apart from Mary. It's time to come to your own. But already the monster is running around in your head going, he's talking to everybody else, but not me. No, I'm talking to you. It's time to come to your own. He came to his own. It says that when there was in that boat, the circumstances were against them. The wind, the, it always looked like we're never going to get there. You know, like when you're on a trip with the kids, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And shut up, are we there yet? You know, just goes on and on and on. And we feel like, God, I'm in this boat and it's got choppy. I haven't a clue what's going on. And it always seems to be another wave, another bucket of water. You know, it's like, I haven't got words for, but you understand. You get drenched, everything's against you. But God says, you're coming to your own. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to share a testimony with you now and a personal testimony. I don't normally share personal testimonies, but I'm sharing a personal testimony. I'm breaking my own rules, personal testimony one-on-one. Personal testimony one-on-one is this. Is that for a while... You felt like you've been in the boat and everything's, you know, like it's everything's all right, but everything's not all right. So internally, you're okay. You're at peace. Everything's all right. But everything outside of you is saying contrary and saying, why don't you just die and go home? You know, one of those bits, whatever you put your hand to, you go, well, that's just made it worse. 
And you get up in the morning, you declare and say, and my son smells like a field that the Lord has blessed. I'm going, no, I smell like a field that's just had manure on it. It's in preparation process because you stink. I take it I'm only talking to me. So you felt like everything's difficult, whatever you do. And so you go, God, we believe, and God, you're declaring, God, we're going to see the breakthrough, we're going to see this, somebody gets ill. You're going to see this, it's coming online, where's all my money gone? It's having kids. Anybody ever don't have kids? Your money disappears. And it seems to be whichever way you looked, you seem to be getting pressed and pressed and pressed. So I had a sulk, all right? I'm allowed every now and then I can have a sulk, all right? So I had a sulk, and so I had a moan at God. I had a moan at God. I was saying, God, this is... It's tough, and this is the way it is, and I've got to sort something out. Well, we came to, me and God came to terms, and we were all right. But I just had a moan. But it's like that. Sit over there and shut up. Just have a moan. I'm not listening. I'm watching something else. I'm talking to Andy while you're moaning. So you had your moan. It came back. So circumstances work like this. God is good even when I don't experience it and see it in my own life at this moment. Is God a healer even though I'm sick? Is he a provider even though I've not got? Yeah, we, we know all the, we can go through all the bits and get everybody to shout yes. So I was declaring to young Mr. Watson, who was walking around, and I was telling about the way that God can intervene in your life and this stuff steps up and different bits. Because we've started, Kevin and I have worked together now for eight years. Okay, this is our eighth year. Woo! Don't ask me how, but eight years. I think it works both ways. Eight years, but we made the declaration this year. It's like we've started all over again. So from January, we said we've started all over again. Why? Because we started to take the preceding word that God had declared, provision, protection, progress. And we start saying, okay, my God, we're going to start taking you at your word, provision, progress, protection. Not only launch it in your own life but in relation to the business this is where we're going to go we're going to start pushing this so we're declaring these things as well as and lord if you if you if you're willing lisa's still got veruca (laughs) all of that but we started to declare and as we started to declare and come in line with him by taking on the power of jesus name lord because this is what you're commanding this is what we come into line with we align our wills and ways with yours yeah So, you're talking about, and I think it was uh, Mary who said last week, I think you you shouted it out, Mary, though there be no cattle in the stall, though there be no grape on the vine, you know, the Lord's still good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you needed that, right? So did we all. Right? So, Mary was declaring that. So, we're declaring, though there be no cattle on the stall, though there be no grape on the vine. So, I'm saying to Kev, how God can come through for you. And Kev goes, well, if God can come through, you better come through then, hasn't he? It's all right talking about it, but when's it going to happen? (laughs) Lord, help us. Get back into the office, turn on my computer, and have an email. And an email saying, we just, the Lord has laid it on the heart, and we want to be able to bless you in this area. And you kind of go, Kev, has God got a sense of humor or what? And you kind of go, God's got a sense of humor. So I'm now on the page now. Because, hey, I've been walking with God a bit longer than this guy, and God's revealing things more and more. So you kind of go, God, you got us out of that one. Come to the authentic sonship, and um, I'll use a name because it's, it's not personal, personal. But Mary says to us at the end of the first session, she said, can I have a word with you? The Lord laid you on my heart yesterday, not just you, but your business. And the Lord has said that even though the circumstances might have been contrary the wind blowing against you and stuff. You come into the other side and it's going to come through to the place of abundance so that the business can be used for kingdom resources. And you go, Mary, you don't know how much you're hitting, right? I'm bang on, ta- on tack because that has been our heart to do it. And we started in January to say that it's going to be a new business and going to be a new day. Yes? yes. Well, here's the testimony. So I'm sorry, Kev, because I'm telling them. Too late. I do own 50% share, so since January, and we have declared what God has been doing, what God has been saying, we are just in April. We have done, 
a rough calculation, 150% more than we did all of last year. Before you tap me up for a loan, or excuse me, Phil, get us a panini. It's not here yet. It's all, this is all stuff that's being worked on as we speak. But from standing in the grind of going, well, I know we're talented and we can sell and we can do the stuff. What's going on? Lord, I'm going to align myself to what you're saying. I'm going to launch that in your word, this is what you've been declaring. And we are going to be, we want to be a testimony. We've got to push through. And as we've started to do it, I can't, I kept saying to Angela last week, said, it's mad. Do you know the story of we're praying for Peter? Peter's in prison. Remember Acts? Peter's in prison. They're all there going, right, well, let's have a building in the spirit. Let's have a building in the spirit and pushing through. Lord, help Peter. And, and what, if it's your will, Lisa's right, Veruca. But Lord, help Peter. And there's a knock on the door. And little Dorcas goes up like that, opens the door. It's Peter. Shuts the door, runs back into the prayer meeting and goes, Peter's at the door. What was their response? You're having a laugh. I'm at the stage of going, you're declaring and God is turning up and you're still going, but I still don't believe it, even though it's here in front of me. There was days last week where I phoned Ange three times to say, Ange, don't ask me how, but we've got three new clients today. Don't ask me how. The next day, this just come along. It seems to be people go, oh, would you like some of, some of our money? Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> but then the downside is they say, but you will have to do something for it. <laughs> I want to keep declaring that bit, you know, where it says that the wealth of the unrighteous uh, <laughs> is stored up. Yeah, it is, but I kind of fight, figured out you still got to go and work for it. So unless I'm in somebody's will and they're just going to say, go and make yourself a millionaire. So it's mad. So now we need a grace to be able to keep what I mean by keep is not hold the finance, but keeping that place, handle the work, manage your clients and push through without killing yourself or saying that I have now got so busy, I now have no time for God. And I declare, oh, I am so blessed of God that God now understands that I don't need to come to church or the authentic sonship or to pray or to read or to do anything because I am living in abundance. Have a word with yourself. Gospel according to Phil, have a word with yourself. There is a power of unlimited potential. So if you're skint this morning and you're thinking, well, Phil, you've just beaten me with a stick by saying your business just did 150% more in the first three months. Just to let you into a little secret, I'm still skint. I am skint. I am skin. I've got kids in university and I've got a Dan. I am skin. But the day will come when I'm not skin. But at this moment, though I'm skin, God is making provision. Provision, progress, protection. But I believe there's a caveat that comes on the end. Provision, progress, protection, pillock. If I act like a pillock, the provision, the progress, and the protection go into reverse. And they draw away because it goes, that which I believe you were ready for will destroy you. And because I love you, I'll now pull it back. Why? Because I'm the one who kills me. Yes? It's not a pipe dream. For all of us who stay connected... We learn to launch the word into our own lives. You see, for you, it not, might not be that you're looking for in the area of finance. It might be, God, we have had that unsaved member of our family. The kids are backslid or whatever. And you're pushing in. It's time to start declaring in a different name. As of yet, you have asked for nothing in my name. Now, can I let you into a little secret? This is the secret of being honest and transparent, which we're trying to get. Kevin said to me just a couple of weeks ago, do we need a new prayer strategy or what is the best way to pray to see some of the results come online? What's the best way to do it? Is he something? Is he an ABC of ways to pray or how should you set up your prayer life to see things different? And you know what my response was? As the governing elder in the house, why don't you go and have a conversation with Mary? 
or whoever that person be, when your heart is prayer and pushing through, when somebody does and carries a grace that you don't, ask them how they do it. Don't just look and go, oh, Dorothy, bless her. She holds such a position in the spirit. Well, why can't I hold a position in the spirit? Because if he's my dad as well, why can't I do it? Ask is a basic principle. If you see somebody in there praying for the sick, can I, come, can I stand with you when you pray for Lisa's Veruca? Because you're commanding healing and we're hoping, crossing our fingers, and I've rubbed my rubbit, uh, lucky rabbit's foot in my back pocket, hoping that I'm going to get a result. <laughs> Something needs to change. And I don't say that as a matter of jest. The name of Jesus in the way we pray has been more superstition than faith. That has to change. When it changes, you and I change. This we finish. The wise man who built his house upon the rock, the man hears and does. We can hear all day and say, well, there's power in that name. There'll be always power in that name for somebody else until it's you starts to speak, until it's you starts to pray and it's you starts to push out. And the final verse of James 4 and verse 3. You have not because you ask not. The rest of the scripture in context does go because you ask with the wrong motives. Remember what you said about Jesus? He does not use equality with God as something for advances for himself. When I pray and I want to see things, and we're, we're pushing through in Jesus' name, if yours, well, I want a curry favor, I want to look good, I want everybody to stick me on a pedestal, I want everybody to say, hey, if this healing needed in the place, I better go and ask A, B, or C. If you want that, God goes, I'll just hold back. I'll just hold back. But as yet, you have not learned to ask for anything in my name. But the day is changing. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, guys, let's just stand to our feet. <clears throat> so that's a little intro as to where we're going and where we'll build over the coming weeks. So let's just raise our hands, if we can, please. Father, we declare this morning, in this season of revelation and understanding, that what's of you and the truths of your word, Lord God, Father, you will just hammer home with us today. Draw in, Lord. Father, I pray that we'll be a people that not only represent you, Father, but can hold you, can understand you, can reveal you. And Lord God, Father, we'll do what you say that we can do. That Lord God, Father, we're not wishing, we're not hoping, we're not crossing our fingers thinking it'll all be better tomorrow. But my God, I pray right now that Lord God, Father, as we read your word and we spend time in your presence, Father, reveal to us the name of Jesus. Reveal to us the power of that name. That Lord, it's not a greeting, it's not a tag on point, it's not a wish list. But Lord God, Father, I pray that we will have lives that just reflect you. Lord God, destroy the myths. Pull away, Lord God, Father, the things that would hinder us. Get rid of smoke and mirrors from the church and allow us to have an authentic relationship with you that says that when you declare what you do, we shall do, that, Father, we can step into that. Give us the power, Lord God, of the commanded blessing that, Lord, we speak and we see. For, Father, right now, we believe to see. We are not seeing to believe. But, Lord God, Father, we say, start with us. Start with us today, Lord God. Arrest us. Take us through. Stretch us, Lord. Even to the place, Lord God, of testing us. Put into the situations, Lord, where we're faced with something. That unless you come through, Lord God, Father, we're hopeless. But we thank you for answered prayer. We thank you for what you're doing. But Lord God, we thank you that we are sowing seed in a new season. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.